0: Listening to the Grace Auburn Church Podcast. In this week's sermon, Matt Dean preaches from 1 Peter in our series titled A Living Hope. Grace Auburn, here we are again. I'm so happy to be with you today. As we look to God's Word for life and to help us see Jesus more clearly in these days, If you are new or watching for the first time, we are a few weeks in on a teaching series from Peter's first letter to the church. Peter was an apostle and one of the leaders of a messianic community. He gave leadership to the early church and carried the gospel into the wider Roman world after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The truth is, our time today is really about Jesus. In fact, the reason why we are doing this at all is because we believe that Jesus is our living hope our great Redeemer, the one, the only one who can truly make us alive. As we begin today, we remember that in God's great mercy, He has given us a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. And He has given us an internal inheritance in heaven. And that through faith, through trusting in Jesus, we are being shielded by God's power. And even though followers of Jesus and people in the world are experiencing trials and have experienced trials throughout human history, God is still to be trusted. As we trust in Him, as we actively place our confidence in Him in the midst of all circumstances, even though we don't see Him, we can still believe and we can still trust. Real faith and trust in Jesus ultimately means that we will bring praise and honor and glory to His name. So let's do that together today. We don't have to wait. We don't have to be silent. But even now as we watch, let's glory in His name. Let's praise him. Let's put our trust in him. The early church would have known these words too. And Peter, as he wrote to the church, he would have known these words of praise from Psalm 103. So let's praise him together. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's? The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger From us. And as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass, they flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Isn't it helpful to pray the word when our own words fall short? Isn't it helpful to praise God and remember truth when often in our minds, we are bombarded by information overload. As I talk with many of you throughout the week, many of you have expressed like a mental fatigue, almost a a weariness from the day. For many of us, we don't even look at a calendar anymore because it seems like every day is about the same. I wanna remind you today that God's word is timeless and still powerful. I want you to remember today that even as we gather in our homes and on these screens, that the presence of God is at work, and that He cares for you, and that He is still committed to you. In fact, there is no one more committed to your good. So let's tune in together with hearts that have been readied by way of praise to hear from Him. If you have your Bibles, we are in 1 Peter and if you're new to reading the Bible, it's in the New Testament towards the back of your Bible. And I'll be reading today from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 12 today. As you turn in your Bibles, last week we talked about being ready for action, and we talked about setting our hope completely on the grace of God. Now Today, we're going to hear Peter bringing encouragement to a group of non-Jewish Christians who were in the middle of intense suffering and persecution. Now, the original intended audience of this letter in the Bible was having to navigate following Jesus within the Roman Empire. And on top of that, there were other competing ideas and ways of life, and these people needed encouragement. Now, Peter reminds them of their new hope, of their new identity and their new family as followers of Christ. This is what he says. As you come to him, This is a quote from Isaiah chapter 28, 16. He goes on to say in verse 7, So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, quote, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, verse 7 is a quote from Psalm 118, verse 22. Peter goes on in verse 8, and quote, A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. He says, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Now, verse 8 is a quote from Isaiah 14. Peter goes on to say in verses 9 through 12, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Conduct yourselves among the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the nations, in an honorable way, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Today we see four ideas unfold in this passage. Number one, God is building His church. We know from history that many of the difficult days on earth have caused the church to grow, that behind closed borders or under oppression or during tragedies, people cry out for help. They cry out for God. These days are no different. Clearly, we are not in control. But God is, and the good news of Jesus is changing people's lives every day. As people come to Jesus, trust in Him, believe in Him, follow Him, we should remember that God is actively at work building a holy priesthood of all believers around the world. Today, right now, God is building his house, his people. And as you watch today, planet Earth is vibrant with the praise of God. All across our city, people are turning to Jesus. In our nation, people are trusting in Christ. There are people in Colombia and Canada, people in Russia and Rwanda, all trusting in Jesus. God is at work. And you should know that somewhere in places like North Korea and Somalia, there are new brothers and sisters believing Jesus. We should remember today that believers in Wuhan, China, are worshiping Jesus just like we are. This is God's plan. And we know that he is accomplishing his plans in all the world and that nothing can stop him. I'll say it again. Planet Earth is vibrant with the praise of God. This spiritual house that God is building, this holy priesthood that God is building and bringing is offering acceptable sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. This house, this priesthood is a house of praise. And the sacrifice we bring is our lives. Made right by grace, through faith in Christ, we are bringing our lives to Him. The Apostle Paul put it this way, "'Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Here's the second idea today people who trust in Jesus will never be put to shame. Peter reminds the early church through scripture from the prophet Isaiah and from Psalm 118 that Jesus was chosen and precious and that God's plan was and is trustworthy. Therefore, those who trust in Jesus will never be put to shame. Listen to the words from Psalm 118 that Peter quotes. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter in through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have assured me, and answered me, and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The passages from Isaiah that Peter quotes from are also clear reminders that God's mercy, as shown through Jesus, is really good news because God is not to be treated like anyone or anything else. In in other words, some people just don't and won't get it. Their sin and pride sadly stand in the way of receiving God's mercy and believing in God's grace. Listen to the Lord's words to the prophet Isaiah that Peter was referring to. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people. Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy and do not fear what they fear nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary. And a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it, and they shall fall and be broken, they shall be snared and taken. Those are hard words, but we see that the Lord is the one who is holy, that He is the one to be feared, that He is the one, were it not for grace, that would be dreadful. And we see even to this day that many in Jerusalem still won't believe, but We also know that there are many Messianic Jewish believers who trusted Jesus. In fact, we see that many first century Jewish people do believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We see the early church gloriously emerge among Jewish and non-Jewish Christ followers. We see how Peter is carrying this message of a new identity, a new family, and a new priesthood that God is building. In verses 9 through 10, listen to how Peter speaks truth over their lives. And I want to speak that same truth over you today in Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Isn't that beautiful? A chosen race that includes all races and skin tones. A royal priesthood that includes all believers, young and old, from all over the world. A holy nation that will reflect all the nations on earth. A people made up from all peoples for his own possession. That's stunning, and it's true, and it's happening now. Here's the third idea. We are his people for his own possession to proclaim his greatness in Christ. In other words, by grace through faith in Christ, we are part of this chosen race, this royal priesthood, this holy nation. We are his people for his own possession. That's who we are. And there is a link between who we are and what we say. And I hope you catch this today. Our identity and what we say, what we proclaim really matters and is part of God's design for his church. Our identity is so that we can proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Look at the contrast in this verse. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once, not a race now a chosen one. Once not a priesthood, now a royal one. Once not a nation, now a holy one. Once not a people, now God's people. Once not having received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So if your identity is so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, then what better way to be ready for action than to think about what you will proclaim with your lips and with your lives. Listen to this from first Chronicles sixteen twenty three. Sing to the Lord, all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Psalm 19 says it this way The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words To the ends of the world. Psalm 68 says that like this: Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to Him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You God are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to His people. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman church these words, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I know sometimes it's not easy to speak up. Often we don't have the words, but even in these moments we are to depend upon Him as we proclaim His greatness. Paul, he was reminding Timothy of this very idea when after being deserted, and he says this, But the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles, the nations, might hear it. Our proclamations of His greatness are in His presence with his strength. And here's our fourth and final point today. The battle for our souls ends with the glory of God. See, these last two verses of our passage in 1 Peter serve as the counterbalance of what we proclaim with how we conduct our lives. And it says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, the nations, the non-Jews. Keep it honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of salvation. Simply put, you are in a battle, and we all know what it's like to sin, to choose poorly, to not do the right thing. We know what it means to be human and to not be satisfied, and we know how sin is deceptive. We know that sin never really satisfies. We know that sin always overpromises and underdelivers. This fourth and final idea for us today is simply this. Our willingness to be holy and to abstain from our flesh also reflects our desire to glorify God. Jesus talks about love and obedience and how only as we abide in our relationship with him can we really bear fruit in our lives. In John 15, Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The Apostle Paul writes to the early church in Romans 6. This is what he says. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You were chosen to be alive to God in Christ Jesus. You were chosen to be His people. You were chosen to be part of God's house. The way we choose to live today really does matter. And by design, God uses his people to proclaim his greatness and point to him. When you fail, let God's grace restore you. As you live out faithfulness and good works, acknowledge his life within you, that others may see your lives and glorify God. So here are the main ideas. God is building his church, and it's beautiful. Number two, people who trust in Jesus will never be put to shame. Number three, we are His people for His own possession to proclaim His greatness. And number four, the battle for our souls ends with the glory of God as we trust Christ in us to live His life through us. Will you pray with me today? Father, your word says that you will strengthen our every work of faith and you will fulfill our resolve for good. And so, Lord, today we come to you as broken people that need you, that recognize you're the one that gives life, that you are the great redeemer. Lord, I pray today that as we listen to your word, Father, that our hearts would be strengthened by grace as we trust in you. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's sermon. I hope it brought you life, encouragement, joy, and challenged you where you needed it. And these days, as we look ahead to all things reopening and the uncertainty still of the future, we know this, that God is good, He is risen, and He is reigning. And because of the work of Jesus and His promised Spirit sent to us, we have all of the hope we need to carry on in this life as Jesus calls us. We hope you have a great week, and we can't wait to see you when we get to.